still my raptured soul shall find rest just beyond the river. Amen. First, giving honor to our great God and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to Reverend Wanda Cutberson, to Reverend Taisha Cutberson, to all of the officers and family and friends of the Wesley Amazon Church and the St. Mark Baptist Church family, amen. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Our scripture text this morning can be found in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. It's 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And once you found that 15th chapter, we want to look at the 58th verse, the last verse in that chapter. If you have it, say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Amen? Amen? Reading to you from the New Living Translation, it reads, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Amen. Amen. I want to share today from the subject of forward living. Forward living. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your power. And we ask now, God, that you let your glory be seen in this place. That your power, O oh God, will begin to invade our hearts and our minds and our thinking. That you would use us, O oh God, for your will and for your glory. And that you would have your way, Lord. We ask now, God, that you would come in all of your power. Anoint this vessel afresh that I might be used for your will and your glory. And I pray, Father, that you would open our ears and help us to listen. Open our eyes, for we want to see Jesus. Then open our hearts that we might receive him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the blessed Holy Ghost. Amen. Forward living. We celebrated the Resurrection Sunday on last Sunday. When we celebrate the Resurrection Sunday, we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which is one of the most important theological and understandings that we can have in the Christian faith. Because without the resurrection, None of what we do is of any value. Hallelujah. Without the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, none of what we do makes any sense at all. So it's when we truly understand the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, not just understand it, but when we accept the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it means the world to us as Christians. Because our entire faith is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. When we think about the world and, and everything in it and how we move through the world, we must understand that as we move through this world, there are some things that we do and we'll feel like we're doing them in vain. Amen. Amen. How many of us 
have done things in life or we go through life and we feel like we've just wasted our time doing the activity that we just done. We find ourselves doing certain activities and, and then when it's all said and done, we feel like it was maybe a failure. We felt like maybe I simply wasted my time. We have to ask ourselves how many others have found themselves in that same boat realizing or coming to the place where they felt like they were simply wasting time doing the activity that they were doing. When we understand that it's Christians, it's never a waste of our time when we do what we do for the Lord. It's always beneficial whenever we give our service to the Lord. It is always worth it whenever we work for the Lord. It's never a waste of our time. And if we're going to talk about forward living, that means that after Resurrection Sunday, after we have shouted about Easter, after we have celebrated Palm Sunday leading into Easter Sunday and, and we get excited about what Jesus Christ had done on our behalf, it's what do we do after the resurrection? What do we do after the Easter celebration? Well, if you understand the, the Bible, you understand that the disciples, when the resurrection day was over, they began to mope around. They began to go back to the places that they were familiar with. They didn't have an agenda. They didn't have anyone to lead them anymore. They were filled with sorrow and pain because the Savior had died. But when Jesus Christ came from the grave and he began to live, it's then that you find out that they had to begin to live and move forward. They had to engage in what we call forward living. We've got to go beyond the Resurrection Sunday. How are we going to live after Resurrection Sunday? How are we going to go through life after Resurrection Sunday? That is the question that we have to answer today. How do we live after Resurrection Sunday? Well, we must serve the kingdom of God by living the re in the reality, the confidence, and the joy of the resurrection of Christ. Yes, we are living in the reality, the confidence, and the joy of the resurrected Christ. And when we look at our text, I want us to understand and see the first thing that is there for us to understand is that living in the reality of the resurrection. We've got to live in the reality of the resurrection. What are you saying, Jones? Live in the reality of the resurrection. If you notice in our text, it says in the beginning of verse 58, it says, be strong and immovable. Be strong and immovable. When we understand that Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he's given them the greatest treaties on the resurrection. And because he's laid out this theological argument for the resurrection, and as we talked about it on last week about what the resurrection really means, but that it was needed for us. Yes, and we understood that if without the resurrection, we don't stand a chance in the afterlife or in this life. But when we understand that we've got to be strong and immovable. We've got to begin to live in the reality of the resurrection because the re resurrection is a reality. Most of us 
have come to that place of understanding. But if by chance we're not there at the place of understanding and accepting the reality of the resurrection, I want to help us out today to help us to know that if it had not been for the reality of the resurrection, we have simply wasted our time. But the resurrection is a reality. And since the resurrection is a reality, we've got to live in view of the resurrection. Yes, we got to live with the resurrection in our view. What are you talking about, Jones? Live with the resurrection in our view. Because the resurrected Christ has been raised from the dead, because he was resurrected, we live with that reality and understanding in view of how we live our lives. Because we understand that because Christ was raised, it gives us the ability to also be raised from the dead. And it also gives us the ability to experience that glorious resurrected body and to inherit the kingdom of God the way that we're intended to with a glorified body. When we understand that Jesus was there in the, after the, the resurrection, he was presenting himself in the flesh over and over again. When you look at the tomb, it's empty. That is a reality. When you look at the witness of the women that the empty tomb was there, that is a reality. When you have him appear to the 11 disciples, that is a reality. When you understand that Jesus came and stood in the midst of the disciples, that is a reality. When you understand that he was seen by over 500 people, that is a reality. When you understand he didn't just come in some form, that he came in the physical body. Yes, some people say that Jesus came back, but it was only a manifestation. It was not a real body. But let me help you out here. Yes, he came back in a real body. He came back in a body that still ate. He came back in a body that people could still touch. He came back in a body. Yes, it was a body in flesh and blood, but it was a transformed body. It was a glorious body. That's why he was able to make his way through walls without having to open the door because he was in a real resurrected body. It was a reality and not a figment of somebody's imagination. Imagination. It was the reality that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. And the resurrection is not just an idea or some theory. It is a reality. See, some people think that the resurrection is, is, is some construct of the, to appease the Christian community. But it is an actual re reality. But because I challenge anyone to go back and pull the tomb open and see if the body was there. Do you understand that those people died because of what they were preaching and teaching and what they were believing in? Do we not understand that the disciples of the early church were willing to die because they said that Jesus Christ came back from the dead and that they believed in him and that they followed him? They were willing to die for that. Now, I don't know about you, but nobody's willing to die for a lie. Amen. Nobody's willing to die for something that isn't true. But these disciples were willing to die for what they believed. And they were willing to, to die because they put their life on the line and they stuck to the fact that Jesus' resurrection was a reality. And what they were simply doing was living life 
forward. Yes, they were forward living in their life because they realized that after the resurrection, we've got to keep on living. After the resurrection, we've got to keep moving forward in life. And I want us to understand, because the resurrection is a reality, we've got to do some forward living ourselves. I live with the resurrection in view. I live with the fact in my mind, knowing that one day I too shall be raised in a glorious body to seek to be in the kingdom of my God. I too believe and understand and live my life knowing that one day I will be resurrected from the dead just like anybody else if I check out before the Savior comes. And if we die before he comes back, we've got that glorious promise that we too shall be raised from the dead. It is a reality that we are living in. It is a reality that I look forward to. It is a reality that I live for. It is a reality that keeps me forward living because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. It's not a figment of our imagination. It is a reality. But not only that, we've got to understand also that this, living in the confidence of the resurrection, if we're going to do forward living, we've got to live in the confidence of the resurrection. Notice what it says as we continue on in that verse, it says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. We're living confident in the resurrection because the Bible tells us to always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Amen. Y'all repeat that. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Amen. We got to learn to work for the Lord. Amen. The work we do for God should not be done haphazardly. Amen. But it should be done with confidence, assurance. Whatever we do for the Lord, we ought to have confidence in doing it. We ought to have an assurance as we do it. When we work for the Lord, we ought to do it enthusiastically. How do you approach God's assignments? When God gives you an assignment, how do you approach the assignment that God gives you? Do you approach the assignment with confidence? Do you approach the assignment with assurance? Do you approach the assignment as if you feel like it's begrudgingly for you to do? How are you approaching the assignment of God? Are you sure and are you confident when God gives you an assignment? Are you sure and confident when God gives you an assignment? What you talking about, Jones? Are you sure you've heard from the Lord? Are you sure that this is what God wants you to do? Are you confident that after you receive the assignment and you're sure that this is from the Lord and this is what God wants you to do, are you confident that you're going to carry it out with enthusiasm and to the best of your ability? We've got to learn that if we're going to work for the master, if we're going to work for the Lord, we've got to do it with confidence. We've got to be enthusiastic about the work of the Lord. We must have our minds right when it comes to working for the kingdom. Amen. Because of the resurrection, we work enthusiastically. When I look at what Christ has done for me, 
when I realized that if it had not been for him being raised from the dead, if it had not been for his resurrection, if it had not been for that, then my life is meaningless. But when I see that he has been raised from the dead, when I understand and know that it's a reality, it's not something that's been made of. It's not some construct that people have come up with, but it is actually a reality. And because I see what he has done and because I realize what Christ has done for me, it ought to make me want to serve him with enthusiasm. It ought to make me want to serve him with joy and gladness. It ought to make me want to serve him with all of my heart. It ought to make me want to give him the best that I've got. Amen. Anita Baker told you, but maybe you still ain't listening. When we talk about humans, we give people the best that we got. Amen. Amen. Let me illustrate it for you. Ladies, how many men have you had in your life that you gave them the best that you got and they only mistreated you? You gave them the best that you got and they abused it. You gave them the best that you had and, and they simply took it for granted. Amen. When you understand that giving the best, if we'll do it for a human man, how much more should we do for our heavenly father? How much more should we do for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Shouldn't we give him the best that we have? Shouldn't we be willing to sacrifice for him? Shouldn't we be willing to do all that we can for him? Shouldn't we have the same zeal and vigor that we had for the Lord that we had for that human person? Shouldn't we be willing to do it? Because he did so much for us. And because of the confidence that I have in the resurrection, it causes me to want to serve him and to give him all that I have. Because he got up every day with purpose, I get up. Because he got up every day, we ought to get up with the motivation of serving the Lord. Because he got up every day, we ought to get up wanting somebody else to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because he got up every day, we ought to get up with enthusiasm. I know some mornings you might not wake up or you might wake up like you don't want to even get up out of bed. But the resurrection ought to cross your mind. And it ought to say, I got to get up because there's work to do. The resurrection crosses your mind and you get up and say that there's a kingdom to be built. The resurrection crosses your mind and you say, I've got to get out and go out and serve the community and serve the world and serve the kingdom of God. Because Jesus Christ is the reality of the resurrection. And because of that, I'm going to work for the Lord enthusiastically. I'm going to give him all that I've got because he done so much for me. And when I understand that Paul concludes this 15th chapter with an exhortation to, to serve in light of the resurrection. Give it all that you have. Give it all that you have. Amen. Now, y'all don't throw stones at me, but oftentimes when it comes to church, we don't give it all we have. Oftentimes when it comes to church, we do the bare minimum. Amen. Amen. Oftentimes when it comes to church, we just do enough to get by. Amen. Now some of us, we've been probably doing that our entire life. Amen. When we was in school, we were doing enough to get by. When we was in school, we was a C student. We could have been an A student, but we were a C student because we just did enough. Amen. But when we're talking about God, 
I want you to understand that he saved you. Hallelujah. He gave you life. You thought you were living before, but you weren't living. I'm here to testify and tell you. I, I thought I was living before. Amen. The party thing, yeah, I did that. The, the, and see, you, you know, your children, they, they think we've been square all our lives. Like, we ain't never done nothing. Amen. We were doing 20 twin twins before they even knew what it was. Amen. Don't, I, I know y'all can testify louder than that. Amen. Y'all trying to act like y'all innocent now. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I was out there a little bit. Amen. Amen. We were smoking. Amen. We were drinking. Amen. We were doing all that stuff, the, the fornicating and everything. We were doing all that stuff. But then you come to your senses. Amen. And you come to your senses and you realize that I haven't been really living. I was doing what I thought was living. I, I, I was doing some stuff that I thought made me feel good. But then Jesus Christ came along. And Jesus Christ came into my life. And once Jesus Christ came into my life, I found out what living really was. When Christ came into my life, I found out what true living really was. I could experience joy without having a hangover the next day. Hallelujah. I could experience joy without worrying about whose feelings I hurt. Hallelujah. I could have a good time and not have to worry about being broke the next morning. Hallelujah. I could have a good time and not have to worry about what I did last night because I can remember what I did last night. Hallelujah. When we think about the goodness of the Lord and all that he's done for me, our souls extremely ought to cry out, hallelujah, hallelujah, because I now know what true living is. It's because one day I came by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I realized that he died for me. He died for my sin and I accepted his payment. I accepted what he did for me on the cross at Calvary. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, still interceding on my behalf. And because he's done all of that, the least I could do is get up every day and do his work. The least that I could do is serve his kingdom with enthusiasm. The least that I could do is get up and give service to the Lord like he deserves it. Because I'm working for the Lord. And because we're working for the Lord, let us do it enthusiastically. Let us do it with the confidence of the resurrection. But then I want us to see the last thing out of our text is that we got to live in the joy of the resurrection. Yes, we got to live in the joy of the resurrection. He goes on to say in the latter part or the end of that verse, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. You know nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. When we start serving and working in the kingdom of the God and, and we start doing it enthusiastically, I want to warn you, not everybody's going to feel what you're doing. Amen. Not everybody's going to support what you're doing. Amen. And in fact, there may be some times when you might be the only one who shows up. But you still got to be enthusiastic. You still got to serve with joy. Well, how am I going to serve with joy and I'm the only one there? The last time I checked, the Bible tells me, and, and there's a theology that said that God is always present. Hallelujah. 
that God is an ever-present God, that no matter where we go, David said, if I go to hell, thou art there. If I ascend to the heights, thou art there. Where can I go to escape from you? You're everywhere, Lord. The last time I checked, God is omnipresent. He's always there. So if I show up and there's nobody there, I'm going to work with joy because God is there. If I show up and there are two or three gathered, isn't that what it tells us? If there are two or three gathered, we still work and serve with joy. It doesn't matter about the number. It matters about us understanding we are serving in the joy of the resurrection. We're serving in the joy in which we get out of serving the Lord. Paul states that and tells us that there's nothing that we do for the Lord that is useless. There is nothing that we do for the Lord that is useless. Everything that we do for God means something. So don't let the enemy deceive you and get you to think that everything you're doing is useless. Everything we do for the Lord, it means something. First of all, it's meaningful to God. So don't be deceived and, and, and say the work that I'm doing is not beneficial. The work that we do for God is always beneficial. It's always a beautiful thing when we work for the Lord. It's always a glorious thing when we work for the Lord. I saw a, a, a pastor, something I was watching, and he said that things in the church have started to go the opposite direction. And he said while he was out alone, he began to question God and say, God, is, am I the one to lead this people? Am I the one to keep moving forward with them? Am I the one or should I just step aside and, and let somebody else take over? But God reassured him that nothing that we do for the Lord is useless. Nothing that we do for the Lord is meaningless. That everything we do for the Lord is useful, is beneficial, it has meaning. Everything that we do for the Lord, we can get the joy out of it. Because I will tell you, those of us who have been in ministry or who operate in a level or capacity of ministry, you know that sometimes it can be some lonely days. You know that sometimes it can be some hard and some challenging and unappreciated days. But you've got to understand and know it no matter how hard, no matter how challenging, no matter how unappreciated that we may feel, we've got to understand and know that God's work is never useless. God's work is always meaningful. It's never useless to serve the Lord. Everything that we do is meaningful to God when we're serving the kingdom of God. And we're serving with joy. We're serving with joy. In Hebrews 12 and 2, it says, Christ endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. If you don't get it, look at Hebrews 12 and 2, where it tells us that Christ endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Was the cross hard? Yes, it was. Was it uncomfortable and rugged? Yes, it was. Was it painful? Yes, it was. But he said he endured it with the joy that was set before him. Because he understood on the other side of this cross is going to be a resurrection. On the other side of this cross is going to be some glory that I bring to the Father. On the other side of this cross is going to mean salvation for humanity. On the other side of this pain is going to be joy. On the other side of this 
this death is going to be life and healing. On the other side of this, I'm going to the cross with joy because I know that on the other side, it's going to be meaningful. And we've got to work for the Lord and we've got to give our hearts and our minds and our devotion to the Lord and know that it's never meaningless, that it's always meaningful when we serve and work for the Lord. When we give our service to the Lord, it is always meaningful. Whatever we do in the name of God is always meaningful because we are leading people to the kingdom of God. And because of the resurrection, I serve with joy. Because he resurrected and got up out of the grave, I serve him with joy. Because one day it means that I can experience the same thing. It means one day I'll experience the resurrected body that God wants me to have. And because of that, I can have that glorious body and live in glory. And as we said on last week I need that body because I can't get into heaven without it I need that body because my body has to be transformed in order for me to be able to survive in glory and we need those transformed bodies but while we're down here working enthusiastically I say work in the reality of the resurrection live in the confidence of the resurrection and then live in the joy of the resurrection because it all matters nothing is meaningless it all matters and I know sometimes we feel like we're sharing the gospel and, and maybe people don't respond the way that you think they ought to. Do it still with joy because it's still meaningful. I know that we may do certain things in the church and we feel like we're unappreciated, but keep doing it with joy because it's still meaningful. And I know sometimes it may feel like you're the only one working, but keep doing it with joy because it's still meaningful. When we understand and we live in the reality of the resurrection, we can begin to engage in forward living. Because if we move forward in life with the resurrection in view, we'll live life differently. We'll live life more enthusiastically. We'll live life more confidently. And we'll live life in a more joyous state because we're forward living. And when we forward live, God is pleased. Amen. 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 I want to offer you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life. When we talk about forward living, we're talking about living for eternity, living beyond the resurrection, living beyond this world. And if you have not accepted Christ, you won't be able to do any forward living. So why don't you pray with me? Fathers, in the name of Jesus that I ask that you would come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Accept me, O oh God, as one of your children. Father, I, I admit that I'm a sinner and I admit that I need your son, Jesus Christ, to save me and cleanse me. So come into my life, save me. Come in and fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, and his atoning work on the cross at Calvary. Fill me, O oh God, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why don't you drop us a line at wesleyonmain at yahoo.com. That's wesleyonmain at yahoo.com to let us know that you've accepted Christ or maybe you need prayer. We're here to pray with you. Drop us a prayer line at wesleyonmain at yahoo.com to let us pray with you, to pray for you, and to pray that God would move in your favor. Now maybe you wanna come and visit with us in person. We're located here in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina at 615 Grandin Road. That's 615 Grandin Road here in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina.
we will be more than glad to have you with us. There's room for you here at Wesley Amy Zion Church. Why don't you come and worship with us? God bless you. God keep you. Until next time, God bless.